Well, as you open your Bibles, please turn with me to John 3, John chapter 3. And we just sang joyfully, He arose. And that's really the big statement. That's really the big question is, did he arose? Did Jesus rise from the grave? As a history major, I, I really enjoy and love history. And it's amazing to me to think that as, as we lay all our hope on this book here, that not only is this a, a spiritual book, but it's a historical book. And the facts in this book and the people in this book lived. Uh, Adam and Eve were real people. They lived. Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and David, and Joshua, and Daniel, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, they all lived. But the most important person who lived was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ walked the face of the earth 2,000 years ago. And the historical documents are just unrefuted. If, if you don't believe that Jesus lived, then, then you can't believe in any of the Roman history. Um, we'll see later on this morning that there were eyewitnesses that were accounted for his life after he, they saw him dead. The resurrection happened. And so that begs the question, well, uh, what do we do with that? How do we respond? How do we live? How do we live as believers? Uh, how do we live as, as those who aren't quite sure yet? How do we live as those who just don't believe the whole thing? And so we've been studying in this Easter season. We took a look at the other night and, and, and trying to understand uh, the, the triumphal entry of Jesus and trying to understand um, Good Friday and the actual death that occurred on the cross. Again, Jesus Christ was murdered. He was crucified on the cross. And on the cross, at the, at the end, he makes the statement, it is finished. It is finished. And we looked at that, and well, there's, there's a lot to it. But one of the big it's is he answers the sin problem. He answers the, the big question to the sin problem. Yes, everyone in this room has sinned. Everyone in this room has broken God's law. That's a problem. That's a problem. That, that, that has to be paid for. That has to be atoned for. The problem is, is unfortunately, there's too much sin to be paid for. Starting right here. If the line was here, you guys can get behind me. And there's just too much sin to be accounted for, to be paid for. And so when he says it's finished, what was finished was the payment. The, the actual payment to atone for sin. That happened on the cross, as Hebrews says, once for all. The payment was enough to pay for all. So, so there's no excuse. There's no reason for anybody to, to not want that payment, to not want to believe. On the cross, Jesus was the substitute 
It used to be that we would substitute ourselves with a lamb or a goat or a bull. And that substitute, that, that, that lamb would be slain and the blood would be the price for sin. And Jesus instead put himself as the sacrifice. He, on the cross, paid the price. And in that, when he says it's finished, there was complete victory. That victory was complete. In fact, the, the murderer next to him, the, 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 the thief, I should say, next to him, was in heaven with Jesus that, that day. Because of faith, there's complete victory on the cross. But there's another aspect to that. We see in Romans 4.25 that there's justification. There's a reason for not only the cross, but there's a reason for the resurrection. Why did Jesus come back? What was the point? It was finished. It was complete. Sin was atoned for. Well, a couple quick reasons we, we see in John 20, as, as Libby read earlier, it was so that we may believe. Some people need that extra help. Thomas needed it, right? Thomas needed for Jesus to come back. Thomas needed to see the holes in his hands. Thomas needed to put his fingers in the holes. Thomas needed that. Why? The reason in John 20, so that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that there is life in his name, more importantly, life after death. Now, it's part of the, the proof of his deity and the reality of we're, we're not just here in the flesh. What happens when we die? Answer, there's an eternity. There's a spiritual eternity. The question is, where will you be spending that eternity? Because there are two places. There's a heaven and there's a hell. And we'll look at that. Part of the justification for the resurrection we see in Mark 8.31 is, is to show God's power to show his truth that throughout the scriptures, there was a hope and a promise that was being foretold and prophesied that this would happen. And so it was proof that God is in control, all powerfully, sovereignly in control. And then ultimately, Romans 4.25, the, the resurrection shows that we're, we're justified. Our justification is justification by faith. So, so th there is some doubt. There is some, I'm not sure. I don't quite get it. Taking that next step is by faith. Not because you're such an awesome person. Not because you're so smart. Not because of the amazing, generous things you do or financially that you give or preach or teach or pray. None of that. We're completely justified by our faith, which is our belief, our assurance that Jesus Christ did die on the cross and, and was buried and rose again and was resurrected. We, we live by faith. And that's a beautiful thing. Well, the Easter story, or another name for it, the, the Christian message, um, is the, the, the complete gospel. Is the gospel, which we see in 1 Corinthians 15, uh, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you. 
So this is the gospel which you received and which you also stand, by which you are saved. This is how you're saved. If you hold fast, if you believe the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. That's the gospel. Jesus died. Why? Not just to die. He died for our sins. He died to pay for your sins, according to the scriptures. And he was buried. Why is that important? To prove he was dead. Otherwise, well, he didn't really die, right? He, he faked it. Well, he did a good job of faking the burial too then and the wrappings. And then not only was he was he crucified? Not only was he dead and buried, but then he rose again on the third day. That's the gospel. That's the, the Christian message. That's what we, we believe in. And so there's no bragging there. There's nothing that anybody in this room did other than just believe in that, other than just have faith that Christ died for our sins, that he was the substitute, that, that his body, his blood, what was, was the sacrifice made? And that's what we celebrate at communion, the remembrance of what he did. And so as we look to see, well, what's the point? What's the point of Resurrection Sunday? Well, I thought if we looked at John, John chapter 3, we, we, we could get some help in understanding, well, what salvation is, because the resurrection and salvation are, are linked together. And, and there's five understandings here what salvation is in John 3 and and really it's kind of a a, a turn back the clock flashback see this character in John 3 Nicodemus Jesus hasn't died yet at this moment and so he, he's looking to a, 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 the cross by faith because it hasn't happened whereas we look back at the cross by faith because we weren't there but this is a, a flashback to help us to understand, well, what, what does this all mean? What does the resurrection mean? And how do I live in my understanding of the resurrection? So the first point of the resurrection is to understand the revealed news. Then after that, we'll look at the, the mysterious news. Then we'll look at the good news, the bad news. And then some practical news. So the revealed news, mysterious news, good news, bad news, and practical. The first is the first point is understanding revealed news. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night. And he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So what's the revealed news? Well, first we see this Nicodemus character. He, he was... A Pharisee. He was a, what's a Pharisee? A Pharisee is not just a, a, a religious Jew, but a very devout, pious religious Jew. They took pride in their piety. They would memorize just massive chunks of the Old Testament. 
And part of that was to prove how spiritual they were. They, they added laws to the Bible called the Torah. They would add laws to it, 600 of them. Why? To be more spiritual, to be even more pious. Well, that's this guy. And it wasn't intended to be an evil thing. It was, it was legalistic, yes. But it, but it was a, a, a devout worship. And, and that's who Nicodemus was. And Pharisees could also be businessmen and community leaders and politics. And so they had dual ro- roles. And that's who Nicodemus was. Now, notice that Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night. Jesus is walking around town all day long answering questions in front of everybody in the synagogue, right? Nicodemus goes to Jesus in the dark of the night. Well, well why? Well, because Jesus has become enemy number one of the, of the Jews and the Pharisees because his teachings are different than the Jewish traditional teachings. And he's a Pharisee. He, he's a, represent, a representative of them. And so he, he can't ask them in, in the middle of synagogue or on the street corner because people would see him and people would know. But he's got real questions. But he's also got doubt and fear, right? And so he goes to Jesus at night. He calls him rabbi, which is the ultimate respect you can call a man for, for a Jew. Now, this is a Pharisee calling another man who's preaching against the Jews, teacher, rabbi, with the ultimate respect. It also shows Nicodemus's humility. You know what? I don't know everything. I I thought I did. I've been on the earth for a long time. I've been a religious man. But there's something different about what he's saying. I've got to listen. I've got to ask questions. Maybe it's time for me to change. It doesn't matter how gray my hair is. It doesn't matter if I don't have hair or if I have patches of hair. It's time for me to to check in and ask some real questions because this Jesus guy is real. He's the real deal. And, And he says this. He says, Rabbi, we know you come from God as a teacher. What do you mean we know? If you know, then follow. If you know, then believe. This is important. He's saying we know, but they don't know. We live in a culture today that very few people walking around have never heard the name of Jesus, right? I don't know anybody who doesn't know that it's Easter. You know about Easter? Yeah, I know. You know Jesus? Oh, yeah, I know. Do you know Jesus? Do you understand what Easter is? Uh, I know. know? No, you don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. How do we know you don't know? Because you don't follow. If you knew, you would follow. And this whole scene is very odd because it's like like a certified mechanic. You know, Nicodemus is like a certified mechanic and he's going to this new guy in town asking him, how do I fix my car? See, he realizes he actually knows more about this than I do. And I'm supposed to be the expert. Well, we we can glean from Nicodemus here. Maybe humble ourselves and, 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 and listen and learn. 
What's the question? Jesus answers and he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, what's the question? Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus is, seems to be answering a question that's not asked, right? That's not the question that Nicodemus asked. He, he wants to know, how are you doing these miraculous things? How are you healing people? How are you raising people from the dead? The, the blind guys can see. Demons are being cast out. Withered hands are being healed. 4,000, 5,000 people are being fed from a couple baskets. How are you doing this? What Jesus answers is, do you know how to get to heaven? Because that's really what Nicodemus is asking. So we do the same thing, right? We ask different questions, but we don't ask the real question. Nicodemus doesn't ask the real question. He wants to know, well, how are you doing all these signs? But really what he wants to know is, is um, how do I get to heaven? Can, do you know something about getting to heaven that I don't know? Um, how do I make it? Who goes there? Can, can you explain that to me? Because that's what Jesus cuts to the quick. And he says, listen, unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. You can't go to heaven. Born again. What's that? What's that? Well, little cheat sheet here. That's the resurrection. That's part of the resurrection, being born again, right? You die and then you live again. But this is all new. This is an all new thing. And the concept of being born again is, is revealed news to Nicodemus. Well, where's this coming from? I didn't even ask the question. And what does it mean? And he doesn't have any idea what it means. And, and, and how does resurrection tie into this? And, and here it's just kind of subtly revealed. Well, in 2 Corinthians 5, we get some understanding in this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. And now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God who gave us a spirit as a pledge. See, this is just a tent. God, God reveals something here. This is just a tent. This is temporary. We live in the physical and the flesh and we can bang our hand on, the, on, the, on, on, a, on a board and it hurts. And we think, well, this is real. This is short-term temporary. It's just an external tent. We are spiritual beings. We're spiritual beings. There, there's an eternity that, that's waiting. Well, what is that? 
Jesus is starting to reveal that. The second point of the resurrection is understanding this mysterious news. John 4, Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? He can't enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born, can he? Mama would not like that. Verse 5, And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There's flesh and there's spirit. Verse 7, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from, and you don't know where it's going. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, Well, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know and bear witness of that which we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I told you the earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? You can't understand them. And no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so the second point of resurrection is we, we see Jesus trying to help Nicodemus understand this mysterious news. What, what's the mysterious news? Born again. And here's Nicodemus asking again, what do you mean born again? I don't get it. Now, now, He's trying to honestly figure it out. I mean, do, do I, I am old. Do I, do I get back into a womb? I mean, I, he, he's asking questions. He's digging deeper. But Jesus immediately points to the spiritual. Verse 5, unless one is born of water and the spirit. Look, there's a difference, verse 6, between the flesh, the flesh is the flesh, and the spirit. The spirit is the spirit. We have two issues here, flesh and spirit. So first, Jesus then appeals to, let's appeal to some common sense. You, you don't want to believe, you can't believe. I, I've never seen God. I, 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 I've never seen the Holy Spirit. How am I supposed to believe? You believe in the wind. Well, where does it start? Anybody see the starting point of the wind? It's kind of like the end point of the rainbow, right? Where all the gold is. Um, nobody's found that yet. Where, where does the wind start? Look, God says, look, you, you don't know where the wind starts. You don't know where it ends. You believe that. Well, there's some things that are revealed with the wind that I, the, the effects that I can see. And there's the effects that you can see from what God has done as well. Try figuring out how Mount Rainier came into existence. Guess that was just by luck. Um, the planet itself is alive. This planet is alive. I mean, just grapple with that for a half a second. Not, not in a pithy way, but the planet is, is a living organism. What, you think that's an accident? A tree? A leaf? A flower? There's a maker. 
And so Jesus appeals to the nature. Nicodemus is asked, well, where do I go when I die? How do I make it? Is there an afterlight, an afterlife? And Jesus kind of, you know, makes a comment. Are, are you really a teacher? Is there a candy camera here? What's going on? Right? I mean, we, you know, we have like these PhDs and these scientists and these guys who think they know everything. They're, they think they're so wise. But as Jesus dealt with the Pharisees before in Matthew 23, you know what you guys remind me of? Blind guides. You're blind guides. Now, imagine that, you know, blind guides, you know, for rent. It's like the blind guys are, are leading you. Um, that's how Jesus describes these Pharisees. It's like they're supposed to be teachers, but they don't even understand the basics. We see this in Romans 1.21, that professing to be so wise, the, these teachers, these uh, you know, religious leaders, they be just become fools. So then Jesus appeals to, well, okay, I know you, maybe you don't get that, but I, I know you understand Moses because you, you study the Pentateuch, you study the Bible. And so he says, now, remember Moses, remember when they were in the desert in Numbers 21, and, and, I, and I went to punish Israel for their sin. And so I sent snakes into the camp and the snakes bit the people and, and, and the venom in the snake would cause death. But they made a, 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 a post, and on the post they had a, the, a, a snake image up there. And all they had to do was look up, and their faith would heal them. Their, their faith would heal them. That would be a picture then of, of the cross. And so Jesus says, look, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man will be lifted up. Jesus was, was talking about himself and telling Nicodemus, just like that, so will I be lifted up, and he was on the cross. But this is still very confusing and mysterious news. And so the resurrection needed to, to, to solidify this so that a man like Nicodemus could say, now I get it. Now I've seen the life of Jesus. I've seen the death of Jesus, and now I see the resurrection. First Corinthians, turning back to First Corinthians chapter 15, we get even more um, insight. Now, if Christ is preached, and first Corinthians 15, starting at verse 12, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some of you say there's no resurrection? Now, this is important. Why is resurrection important? For Jesus, if Jesus wasn't dead and buried, if Jesus didn't resurrect from the flesh to the spiritual, then guess what you don't get to do? Guess what doesn't matter? Guess what isn't real and doesn't exist? Life after death, little thing we like to call heaven. And so resurrection for Jesus is essential because at the end of the day, that's our resurrection. If Jesus is, then we can be resurrected. And that's what's being described here. But the grace of uh, uh, verse 12. Now, if Jesus has preached that he had been raised from the dead, how do some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not 
even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses of God because we witness against God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If in fact the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. It's important that you understand the resurrection. Why is it worthless? And this is where it gets real rough. Because you're still sinners. And there's a price that has to be paid for your sin. Verse 18, and those who also have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hope in Christ in this life only, we are of all men to be most pitied. Boy, if, we, if, if we've got this wrong, then more than anybody else, we're to be pitied. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. Well, the third point of the resurrection and understanding the resurrection is the good news. And there's great news. There's unfathomable news. Verse 15, John 3, 15, that whoever believes in him may have in him eternal life. Again, we're, we, we understand eternal life is spiritual, Right? Whoever believes may in him have eternal life. Why? How? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world but that the world should be saved through him. Wow more beautiful words I've never heard. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. All you have to do is believe. It's faith. You just have to believe. You just have to trust. You, ju you just have to have that, that assurance, that conviction of that thing that you have not seen but you're sure of it. It's faith. Faith in Jesus Christ. Make no mistake, Jesus lived. Make no mistake, Jesus died. The only question is, do you believe that the reason and the point of the whole thing, his death, burial, and resurrection, was to save you? That, that's, that's the only real faith part. Everything else is fact. Well, belief has a response. Belief has a response. We respond to God's love. There's a lot of doubt if, if, if there's a God, dot, 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 right? Like, like you understand better than God. You have a better plan than God. You know better than God. So you, you're going to correct God because you don't like the way things are going. Uh, so there's a lot of challenging and questioning. Does God really love the world? Well, he loved the world enough to give his only begotten son. Anybody in the room willing to do that? Um, no way could I give up one of my sons. No way. 
Um, is part of the triune Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, in that, in that great mystery of, of, of who God is, three persons in one, God's Son, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Son of God was unleashed on the world. Christmas time, Emmanuel, God with us, born in the manger, in flesh, the God-man himself, God so loved the world that he gave his Son, his begotten Son, and all you have to do is believe in him and you won't perish. Let's kind of put that on the side for a second. But you'll have eternal life. So belief equals eternal life. Why? Because God didn't send his son in the world with the sickle. He didn't send his son in the, in the world with the sword. He didn't send his son in the world with the fire. He sent Jesus into the world to seek and save the lost. We see a beautiful picture of that in Luke 19.10 and Luke 9.53. Jesus didn't come to destroy or judge the world. It wasn't time for that. It was time like going out and finding the one lost sheep. It's time to gather the sheep. It's time to, like a mother hen, gather all the chicks to himself. That was the point and the purpose of Jesus coming on the earth. And the ultimate proof of God's love was having Jesus do that. But what had to happen was Jesus had to die. Jesus had to die. (laughs) And so whoever puts their faith in Jesus won't perish, but have eternal life. Listen, um, think of the opposite here. Think of the opposite. Uh, Whoever does not believe in him will perish and not have eternal life. Um, In this great news, in this hope, God's also laying out, uh, there's another story here. And see, it's important that we're precise in language. It's important that we we read and, and get our arms wrapped around the totality of Scripture. Yes, we all like sugar. We all like dessert. But you got to eat your your veggies, right? You, you, you got to eat the whole meal. And look, getting close isn't good enough. Nicodemus is as close as you're going to get. And Nicodemus was probably 10 times the person that anyone in this room was. Not good enough. You must be born again. Not good enough. Not close enough. It really reminds me of these, you know, these taco joints. Taco Bell, Taco Time. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm Mexican. I don't know what those things are. They're not tacos. Okay, you could have a cool sign whatever branding franchises all over the place it's they're not tacos you can get a real taco at like a you know some guy's little stand i don't know how clean it is but it'll be real um and see that's why we we're we're such hawks for the truth because it's so easy to deceive people and you think you're getting tacos when you're getting you ever eat the ones at Jack in the Box? I don't know. It's like a paste. I don't even know what that is. (laughs) 
See, God had this plan. God had a plan to save you. It's not your plan. It's not anybody else's plan. He has one plan. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ, and you have to believe in Him. And if you believe in Him, you won't perish, but you'll have eternal life, and it has nothing to do with you. It's all by grace. Praise God. But there's a fourth point of the resurrection. That's understand that there's some bad news. There's some horrible news out there. And God is not shy or bashful to reveal the bad news too. <clears throat> For those who don't believe, they will perish. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. You're already guilty. Just because you drove by and Mr. Policeman didn't pull you over, the video camera is out, the photography, the pictures are in, it, it, it's in the file cabinet of, of the Almighty. You are guilty already. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Did you guys get that? Why are you judged? Well, because you, you stole things. No. Well, be, be, because um, um, uh, I committed adultery. No. What, 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 what's the judgment? Because you did not believe in the name of the only begotten son. It's not about how good you are. It's not about how bad you are. Take that off the table. It's about your faith. You, you, you're either genuinely believe and follow God or you don't. But, but stop lining it up with, with the stuff and stop looking at somebody next to you and thinking, well, I'm better than them because that doesn't matter either. Verse 19, and this is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And men love the darkness rather than the light. Why? For their deeds were evil. Because their deeds were evil, they did not like Jesus. Because their deeds are evil and they like doing their evil deeds, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. They don't want to believe and follow and obey. But it's not the deed. They don't want Jesus. They don't want to, to believe in Jesus, believe in what Jesus has to say and believe in what Jesus did. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Kind of reminds me of, you know, the, the old film. Boy, the, the young kids probably don't even know what film is anymore. And you'd get your film and you'd go into a dark lab and, you know, and then they'd... they'd They'd, you know, they'd, they would develop the film. But if you turn the lights on, it would expose it, and the whole role was destroyed. Why? It was, it was exposed. Everyone who does evil in the light and does not come to light, his deeds will be exposed. There's, there's a hell. Revelations 20 talks about the lake of fire. Again, Revelation 21.8 reminds us it's for unbelief. 
It's for unbelief. And all we have to do in Romans 10.9 is all we have to do is confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ was dead, buried, and rose again. All we have to do is generally believe and we will not perish. Again, the, the point, one of the points of the resurrection in John 20.31, when, when Jesus comes back and was, was with Thomas, was, look, the resurrection proves that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And he does save by faith. What's not to like? What's not to like? Thomas doubted. Nicodemus doubted. People have doubts. You will have doubts. There are doubts. But there comes a time where then you got to decide. You you, got to cross the line and make a decision. And for Thomas, he made that decision and, and it was all in. It wasn't just, you know, Jesus, my teacher. Jesus, the, the good man. Jesus, my leader. No, it was my Lord, my King, my God. Thomas understood <coughs> that Jesus Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection proved that he was the God-man. There's nobody else like that. That's what makes Jesus, Jesus. And we, 2 Corinthians 5, second, we walk by faith. Because we weren't there. We didn't have video cameras there. <coughs> but there were others there. There were eyewitnesses there. 500 eyewitnesses. The 11 direct followers of Jesus, who, by the way, would all end up dying for this truth that's the extent that they believed and understood in the power of the resurrection and then countless others who were followers and disciples well the fifth point of the resurrection then is understanding the practical news verse 21 but he who practices the truth comes to the light that is deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. There's a response. There's a response to this. There's a response to the resurrection. And that's practically living your faith out. Jesus starts chapter 3 with Nicodemus. You need to practice a new way of living. You need to scratch it all. You need to be born again. You need to change your life. You need to be a a new creature in Christ. And back in John chapter 3, we rolled over it, but Jesus told Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And so this idea here then is, well, not only is there going to be a resurrection of your, your, your spiritual body, but you know what? You need to change now in the flesh. And so many of us are pretty familiar with, hey, you know what? You need to be a, a born-again Christian. 
Well, that's for the now. That's for in your flesh now. So we're called not to live by the flesh. No, we're called to live and walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5 is clear. We're called to be transformed. Romans 12, 2. By the renewing of our minds, be transformed. We're called to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus dying for us. Worthy of God sending his son to die for us. We're called to be slaves to obedience. There should be fruit. There should be clear fruit in our lives. We, we see this in, in Matthew 7. If we really believe, Nicodemus, if you really believe, then I should be able to see it. You need to be born again. You need to change your ways. Have faith in me. Not in Judaism. Not in pious Pharisee standards. You follow me. And it starts with believing in my resurrection. And you know what? You believe in my resurrection. And that's the power of you being resurrected. You don't believe in my resurrection. You ain't going nowhere. But the grave. Because there are two resurrections. That is the truth. And that's why we, 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 we preach with truth of both the good and the bad news because we don't want anybody reaching hell. There's no reason for it. But let me give you some other hope here. In John 19, we get so excited about John 20. John 20 is awesome. It's the resurrection of Jesus that we read on Easter morning. But a little thing happens in John 19. John 19, verse 39. Remember, we, we met Nicodemus in John 3. John 19, 39. And Nicodemus, oh, remember him? Remember our friend? And Nicodemus came also. Where? Well, Jesus had just been crucified. In verse 30, Jesus says, it is finished. In verse 38, Joseph, the Arimathean, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one, for the fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. He's not a secret one anymore, is he? Give me Jesus. Pilate just killed Jesus. Notice the boldness now of Arimathea. And Pilate gave him permission. And he came there for after, after and took his body away. And Nicodemus came also. That's beautiful. That is so cool. Nicodemus has a lot to lose. He's a Pharisee. This is his whole life is being a pious Pharisee. His whole life is Judaism. He's coming to get Jesus' body. He's coming out of the dark. And Nicodemus came also, who had first come to him by night, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes and about 100 pounds weight. And they also took the body of Jesus and bound it in the linen wrapping and spices as the burial custom of the Jews. If there was anybody who would out the lie, it would have been Nicodemus. He was an earnest man. He was a religious man. Yes, he, he, he saw what Jesus was doing and was interested and intrigued and had a kind of belief. 
But when he saw what Jesus did and when he saw the crucifixion, when he saw him die, Nicodemus was all in, all in. And that's a sacrifice of whatever his family thought, whatever his friends thought, whatever the community thought. The only thing that mattered was what was true. And that was that this Jesus is the Christ. Well, 1 Corinthians said that if Christ wasn't raised, then our faith is worthless. Our faith is not worthless. If Christ was not raised, then all the time that we spend here is wasted. If Jesus Christ was not raised, then you're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're wasting your talents. And so in that, we would be most pitied. But since it's true, since he did live, since he did die, since there were witnesses of him being buried, and even more of him being resurrected, the life accounts of Jesus Christ are true, are real. And so for me to live is Christ and to die is gain because of the resurrection. That's what we gain. Resurrected bodies, this tent gone. We are then in the presence of the Almighty. Let's pray. Lord.